0: This episode of Profiles in Risk is sponsored by IAPath. IAPath, unlocking your adjusting superpowers. Go to IAPath.com. This is Profiles in Risk.
1: Hosted by Nick Lamparelli. Every week, we interview those who risk life, limb, fortunes career and reputation and those who work behind the scenes who look to protect and enlighten us about risk you can find the show notes and other insurance related content at insnerds.com that's i-n-s-n-e-r-d-s.com now on to the show
0: hello everyone and welcome to profiles and risk or should i say ciao tutti I'm your host, Nick Lamparelli. I'm very pleased to introduce Matteo Carboni. Matteo is the founder and director of the IoT Insurance Observatory, which generates and promotes innovation in the insurance sector. He is also the co founder of Ar- Archimedes Spock, a special purpose acquisition company seeking to become a licensed insurtech carrier in the Italian market. And prior to these, Matteo was at Bain and is often ranked as the most influencing in person in insuretech. Matteo, buongiorno. Buongiorno. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me today. I was very tempted to do my entire opening in Italian, but uh, you have a, a very vast background and description, and I could not. My Italian was too rusty to translate all of that, so welcome to Profiles and Risk. It's been a long time coming.
1: It's really a pleasure to discuss insurance innovation with you and your audience.
0: Yes, thank you so much. Your your background, as I mentioned, your background is very uh, wide, vast, deep. Um, how did you come into insurance? How did you get into this line of business?
1: Uh, it uh, has been something not planned. When I have finished my university, I have worked for the first uh, yeah in uh, the consulting company of one of my professors at university. Uh, this company was, work- was a uh, strategic, a small boutique strategic consulting company working on many sectors. One of the projects I did uh, was on insurance. Was really uh, an exciting project. It was a moment uh, where. I discovered this sector and I developed some skills thanks to to the clients. That was really forward-looking, a bank insurance company, and this topic will come back in uh, my in the story of my uh, career within the insurance sector. After a few months, I have been contacted by Bain and Company to join their team in Milan, and they was looking for a profile that have young uh, a young analyst, but with some knowledge on insurance. It's not so easy to find. And I've spent the previous six months working on the insurance sector. So I had the opportunity to to join Bain uh, thanks to that uh, experience I've done uh, in the sector. And my first project in Bain has been one year with the team of Mario Greco, advising the, the, the team, supporting the team in the setup uh, of uh, the uh, direct distribution channel of Aariton. Uh, and it was 2006. Uh, so in other 12 months, I have really develop a deep knowledge, working closer to a fantastic team, uh, this uh, knowledge, this uh, feeling that the insurance sector is complex, uh, but there are many opportunities uh, to do stuff uh, in a new way. So from there, my focus has been 100% of the insurance sector. I've seen everything within the sector in many different markets. I've worked in 20 different markets.
0: Yeah, and, and so you're juggling two pretty large projects right now um, that, that are bigger than projects. They're, they're actually, uh, you're, you're gaining traction on both. I want to talk about the first one, and then we'll go into the second one a little bit later. The IoT Observatory. Can you describe that in your words?
1: Yes, yeah, the IoT Insurance Observatory is a think tank. So it's a multi-client research uh, developed by my team. But the way I'm delivering the content of the research is through workshops dedicated one-to-one to each of the members of the team topic. So uh, currently, uh, there are more than uh, 45 organizations that have, have joined the observatory between Europe and North America. Currently, in North America, I have five of the top 15 property and casualty insurance group. I have a tech player like Microsoft, uh, I have a few startups, so I'm engaging them in a discussion. I'm going to their quarter, presenting the content of the research, and discussing this content with their executive. Let's consider that in 2017, I did 130 workshops between Europe and U.S., meaning 350 hours of discussion on the adoption of IoT within the insurance sector. Uh, In the last three years, I've worked with uh, uh, players that are on the vertical of telematics, that is the more mature use case for IoT, represent more than 70% of the global telematics market. So what I'm delivering them is, uh, my point of view, a custom scouting of the best practices and the pitfalls around the world. I'm repeating the workshops, uh, the the round of meetings dedicated to each of the members Three times in a year, at the end of each round of workshop, I'm organizing one plenary symposium, meaning a day of conference only for the members of the observatory, where I'm presenting my wrap up of what I understood, discussing with all of them. Some of them come uh, to present uh, their last innovation. We have done uh, uh, the last plenary session uh, last Wednesday in uh, Cincinnati at the American Modern uh, headquarters, and American Modern presented uh, uh, their, uh, experience with the uh, connected home. They are experimenting since a few, a few years, uh, sensors, uh, in a couple of houses. Uh, they are using to train loss adjusters. And now they went to the market with uh, a pilot testing uh, this concept and this solution with clients. So they joined the plenary session, presenting to the other members their experience innovating. The at plenary sessions, I'm inviting also tech players They come to discuss their point of view on insurance innovation with the member of the observatory. So in a nutshell, this is what the observatory is doing.
0: I know you know, I mean, you're doing the observatory, so IoT is something that's very uh, important to you and something that you think is going to be very important to the sector. For U.S. carriers that have issues, problems, with their legacy IT issues, I'm concerned about how they implement any kind of strategy with IoT. And and I almost feel like their default reaction will be to wait for everyone else to incorporate IoT, you know, kind of prove the concept a little bit. What kind of advice would you give to any carrier that's waiting for IoT to kind of prove itself before, before, uh, you know, jumping in and implementing it into their business model?
1: Good question. Not simple to answer in a few minutes because each carrier is different. What I'm bringing with the observatory is a point of view where i based on all the best practices I've seen around the world and all the pitfalls that are made. That I've seen around the world, I have three main beliefs. First, it's not a matter of uh, changing or implementing something on the legacy system. So I've seen uh, many projects and succeed without any impact for the first two, three years on the legacy. So you can, my first message is you can achieve some relevant quick win on your portfolio without impacting uh, your legacy, You can use server providers, can be a task, uh, or uh, established vendor to achieve these quick wins. Second, there are already demonstrated use cases in different business lines. So some players, especially in Europe, have been able to create a massive quantity of value on their insurance value chain uh, using uh, telematics data to manage better auto insurance claims. There are a few players that in the past couple of years have been able to change behavior with product rebuild build, with all the value proposition build in order to change behavior. That is not showing uh, the number of stars you have achieved in the last, last three. So you need really to build a product that is focused to address the change of behaviors. The third point is the main challenge is to be agnostic, to define a strategy. That fit with your company, not to put in place me to a uh, copy and paste approach from uh, what you have already seen on the market. I think that uh, these are the three main uh, advices I can uh, share with uh, a carrier that would like to start experimenting something on uh, IoT
0: insurance. Can you discuss Archimedes Spock? And uh, I think that's, uh, that's fairly new information. And it's probably, I'm assuming, uh, you eating your own dinner, you taking your own advice.
1: So this uh, is my new baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've worked uh, with uh, the, the CEO of this new company in the past six months uh, to shape the strategy of uh, this initiative, this ambitious initiative that uh, uh, would like to create the first insurtech carrier on uh, the Italian market. So. We have uh, a special purpose acquisition company that this week has uh, closed the uh, the funding. Uh, we have raised $56 million. We will be listed since next Monday. This company will uh, acquire, after uh, the, the sign-off of the regulator, an existing uh, small bank insurance carrier. So an insurance company that currently is focused on a niche product distributed to banks. The strategy of the company uh, after the, the acquisition uh, and the reverse merge with uh, the, the stock will be the enlargement of their offer. Second, uh, the improvement of each step of the insurance value chain of this company, leveraging uh, the best insurtech solution. This approach is consistent with uh, my view on insurance, with the thesis of my book, all the insurance players will be insurance. Meaning that uh, insurance can improve dramatically the way an insurance company is assessing, managing and transferring this. This is something that uh, will require step by step an evolution of the company. So you will have uh, a mix of solutions that will impact the backend. solutions that will impact uh, the interaction with customers, solutions like IoT that will uh, reinvent uh, the product structure. So the ambition of the company is to provide uh, innovative solutions, uh, innovative products, uh, to middle-sized banks in the Italian market to bring some of the products we will develop for that bank to middle-sized brokers in the Italian market. So the goal is to cover both personal line and micro and small commercial. Third, to become uh, the preferred bank assurance player for all the fintechs that are appearing on the Italian market. They focus on uh, only on financial pro, on uh, banking products, on transactional products. We would like to provide them uh, insurance solutions that fit uh, with their business model. I will be not operative daily on this company. I will be, uh, I have the design together with the CEO of the company, uh, that is the, the head CEO of Aviva in the Italian market. Designed with him uh, the innovation strategy. I will be in the board and uh, I will uh, chair an advisory board on innovation because the ambition of the player is to stay on the frontier of
0: innovation. Does Archimedes Spock have ambitions to, if successful, expand throughout the rest of Europe and potentially globally? And we'll get right back to this podcast right after a short message from our sponsor. I'm back with Chris Stanley, founder of IAPath. Chris. When someone is interested in becoming an independent adjuster or independent appraiser, what can IA Path offer them? Nick, at IA Path, we recognize that getting people to take a chance on a new vendor or independent adjuster is challenging. So one thing that we do to help IAs is train them, certify them, and mentor them. We want to give them the skills to actually do the job and in turn, give the hiring companies confidence to try out our graduates. We call these interactive online courses and mentorships boot camps. We also offer self-paced training videos and IA networking and support through our monthly membership that we call the League of IAs. Learn to write auto, heavy truck, and other claim types with IA Path's online trainings. Unlock your adjusting superpowers. Go to IAPath.com. Does Archimedes Spock have ambitions to, if successful, expand throughout the rest of Europe and potentially globally?
1: Honestly, no. I don't believe it's so easy to replicate insurance models in different markets. If we take a look at the story of the sector, in the past 20 years, in the last 10 years, I have advised many of the international players, you can see only a few stories in replicating in different markets the same approach. So I'm a strong believer that the insurance se- uh, to play in the insurance sector, you need a deep knowledge on the specificity of the market. So you can work in more than one market, uh, but you are doing a second uh, initiative. Uh, you need uh, to consider all the specific laws uh, that are impacting uh, the insurance needs. So I'm not talking only about the regulation, I'm talking really about uh, why a customer is purchasing an insurance company. And in many cases, this is uh, linked with the business aspect of the country, is linked with uh, the uh, the request uh, of the laws in this country, is linked to the social security system of the country. All the European countries are different from each other. We have really few examples uh, of players that have been successful in one market have replicated from the scratch the success in other markets. Typically, they have acquired another carrier. I think that uh, many of the startups that uh, as an MGA or as uh, a full-stack insurer are currently claiming to go international, I don't believe them. I believe that this is PR press release, but uh, do it really. Is, is a different uh, story. Uh, I would like to share with you one example of uh, a best practice that has been able to replicate uh, their unique model in different markets uh, Is discovery. Uh, so the South African insurer that with the vitality approach uh, has uh, in the last 25 years uh, reinvented the health and life uh, insurer and uh, the, the health and life insurance approach. They are an insurance carrier in South Africa. They have acquired a company in UK. So currently they own a company, but they started a joint venture with Prudential and they purchased one existing carrier. So they demonstrated that they they have not entered alone in the UK market, but they partnered with a player that have a deep knowledge on this market and then they acquired an existing carrier. In all the other markets after they are in more than 10 different markets around the globe. They are acting as a service provider. So they are providing their approach, their knowledge on the actuarial part, the marketing part, the ability to manage partners to existing carriers that are stronger in the local market. So from my point of view, this is the way to grow internationally an approach that works because you need someone that uh, is able to execute in the local market. This is one of the reasons because I don't see tech giants, Google, Facebook, Amazon, they need to succeed uh, in the insurance market because they would like to apply. Their natural is to apply the same approach in all the markets. So maybe in some niche, they can do something if they want to play with the serious insurance market. So auto, home, health, many of the the commercial lines. uh, You need... uh, to tailor the solution on the single
0: market characteristics. The Italian market seems to be ahead of the game when it comes to things like telematics and IoT. What's so uh, special or specific about the Italian market uh, that's kind of created this, uh, you know, uh, arena where they they seem to be more progressive when it comes to this kind of technology?
1: Um. Uh, I think that is not the context. It has been generated by the movement of one large insurance carrier. So the larger auto insurance carrier in the Italian market is the pioneer in experimenting auto telematics. So in four or five years, uh, they have been able to find a model that works for them. So they start put more effort in the execution. Of these projects, and uh, they start to scale up this solution. So they start to compete with uh, a tool their isn't have at that time. So I'm talking about uh, ten years ago. Uh, let's consider that the Italian approach on telematics uh, is focused on claims, on reinventing the claims management, leveraging uh, telematics data. But this requires to change your approach. Uh, processes. But all the storytelling of the product that is concentrated, that is focused on case management, has demonstrated a tremendous aspect in selecting risk. So, remember at the beginning when I was talking to you about quick uh, win. when you put in the market a product that is uh, delivering to the customer a storytelling that makes he, he feel that his insurer will be with him if there is a crash. if he, And his insurer will know everything about the threat. This way, the insurer can help him, send assistance, pay uh, faster the claim, uh, defend the customer against third parties that are claiming that the customer uh done something wrong. But if you are someone, something to hide to the insurer, someone that feel that, uh, oh, my way to drive uh, probably is not so good, I'm always speeding and so on, you don't accept to install a device in your car. So, this approach in the Italian market currently represents more than 20% of the auto insurance business. And this portfolio shows risk-adjusted 20% less claim frequency than the non-Telematics portfolio. So comparing light for uh, the two portfolios, the Telematics one has uh, 20% less claims. Um, when you have one player that uh, discovered this and starts uh, to be aggressive, promoting the product with uh, sharing part of this value created with com- with the customer through discount, you are obliging the competitors to follow you. So from 2011, 2012, other insurers start to follow this approach, start to push commercially the product, and now there are more than... Uh, seven players that shows a penetration higher than 20%. So my view is that if this carrier, the market leader, 15 years ago, didn't focus their effort in experimenting telematics, they didn't succeed in finding this way to manage telematics, currently the penetration of the Italian market was negligible as on many of the other European markets. So everything is due to this player.
0: That's very interesting take on it. Uh, you have you have a reputation. You're often ranked as one of the top influencers when it comes to insure tech. I've had conversations with several people who who have quite honestly asked me, "How does he do it? How does he get? How do you get so much influence? How do you get so many people to follow you?" And I kind of want I want to segue over to that part of your career and ask you, what's your strategy for you to become known, for you to become an influencer? Uh, for you know, What's your social media strategy to get to that level? A lot of the listeners would be very curious to understand how you've curated all of this information and how you've presented it to establish yourself as a very important thought leader when it comes to this space.
1: So, uh, it was not planned. Uh, there was not a, an entry strategy. I was uh, posting uh, as many people do on LinkedIn daily, my view. Uh, I was sharing at the beginning uh, articles by others. Then I started to receive feedback from clients when I was a consultant in Bain uh, that was telling me, oh, we are, we are uh, always following your LinkedIn profile because it's the way to read the most relevant news. We don't need to count about the news. is enough uh, to follow your profile and uh, you are uh, uh, sharing uh, some of the most interesting uh, topics that are coming out. So when you start to have that kind of feedback, you start to dedicate more attention uh, and never skip uh, your daily post. Then uh, I start to share my past. I start to not only sharing a uh, news, but I start I start to establish my voice. So my unique uh, point of view, w- my belief about insurance innovation. Uh, I think that uh, my way to do it uh, is probably bold, loud, and uh, consistent in that uh, I'm not uh, following the uh, click-biting trends. I love discuss uh, the content. So this is the reason because on social media, I'm spending uh, probably 80% of my time on LinkedIn uh, because it's the platform where you can uh, go deeper in the content, you can really engage in discussion. So, I'm shaping my view on insurance innovation, discussing uh, with uh, knowledgeable people on LinkedIn. Since uh, beginning of 2015, I have started to post uh, articles on LinkedIn where I was sharing my my view on the sector. I was uh, crunching number available on the market, providing something that uh, no one normally do. This has been uh, the way I established my, my voice uh, in the insurance sector. Then uh, I started to get conferences. Uh, I wrote uh, a few white papers. Uh, uh, for example, one last year with the Swiss I wrote a book. Uh, then things are, are coming. Obviously, now I have my strategy in promoting my content on social media. So I'm using uh, Twitter to mirror my LinkedIn activity. I'm uh, doing live video in my speech uh, at conferences. So uh, with trial and error, I'm trying to improve uh, the way and spreading my content. But really, the beginning uh, has been uh, really based on uh, passion, content, uh, and uh, consistency of the messages.
0: I especially like that you mentioned uh, finding your voice and being consistent with it. I think that's a very important message for people that are listening. Cause I think I've had a little bit of success also trying to replicate what you just described, which is knowing what I know and then being confident and being consistent in what I know. I'm curious if a young relative approached you and asked you about a career in insurance, how would you advise that person?
1: Uh, I think that uh based on the experience I've done, it's key to build a solid foundation uh with billion company for years working with uh advising uh established incumbents uh, and really knowledgeable people within that incumbents that teach me uh many of the foundation of the insurance business uh, currently have been not able to do what I'm doing so Like to enter in this uh, market uh, and uh, build a career in this market, need solid foundation. You are active on social media, you are present at conferences as me, it's full of cheerleaders uh, of innovation, people that uh, are not able to distinguish a loss ratio from a combined ratio. So I think that uh, if you have a strong foundation, if you know the basic uh, of this business, then you can build uh, something that will be unique because it's uncommon.
0: Yes. Um, Matteo, when you're flying all over the world, you're now running essentially two businesses with a lot of other side projects that you're doing. Personally, though, when you aren't engaged in insure tech or running companies, what do you enjoy doing? So are you meaning in the two three minutes daily? That, uh, yes. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> if you have a spare five minutes and you're not working, or if you could get <laughs> a vacation or a holiday, what, what would you do outside of insuretech?
1: So to to be honest, I never. So I'm on the road uh, for twelve months, uh, thirty days uh, each month, <laughs> uh, from uh, March five to April twenty five <laughs> in sixty days uh, in thirty two cities. So. Uh, but in parallel, so uh, I'm trying to to enjoy my time and love uh, the cities where I'm going. I'm uh, passionate uh, on fitness, so each day one hour I'm in gym. Maybe in this hour I'm also answering to few mails uh, and so on. So I'm really not awful in that moment, but uh, I I think I could be consistent also on the physical activity.
0: I was hoping you were saying you like to uh, race your Ferrari along the Italian Riviera.
1: (laughs) 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 My business are not generating so so high (laughs) margins.
0: Yes. (laughs) So, Matteo, you you are busy, like incredibly busy. You you just mentioned all of the cities that you're in. Um, You know, it took us a while to schedule this podcast so personally, how do you stay organized? How do you remain productive when you have to be in so many different places and you're traveling many hours of the week? How do you stay productive and organized?
1: Uh, what uh, what I'm doing is uh, uh, basically to plan everything in advance for my schedule uh, in the next month where I need to be. Uh, and trying to, to find the best connection. Uh, I have a fantastic assistant that uh, is booking the flights for me, finding the right, uh, spot uh, to, to optimize, uh, my logistics. Uh, so I live uh, in front of an Outlook. So everything happening in my day <laughs> okay. from, uh, uh, if something is not in, on Outlook doesn't happen. Uh, a call from dedicating time to post something uh, really is, uh, it's something that I need. Uh, because you have many distractions, new things that are happening. So you need to manage the emergency. Uh, on the other side, you really need to be disciplined uh, and allocate a uh, slot to do things. So uh, Outlook, Excel, With all my business, uh, I have my funnel of things to do. And no, the daily to-do list is uh, on note. You are adding things, uh, priority on the top, uh, and then uh, you cancel things and uh, You add new things. Unfortunately, I have some things in my to-do list that is there since six months. So it's low priority, stay there, bottom of the list.
0: Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you. For the listeners, we always ask all the guests, uh, what books have been influential in either your personal or business li- lives? To be honest, the last five years,
1: have not a lot of time to read books. If I had to define one thing that has influenced my life and my career, this is LinkedIn. A lot of discussing there, as I was mentioning you before. I have uh, shared my view on this platform, discussing with people that have terrific knowledge on the specific topics. You, you are able to find who has dedicated all his career on one single topic. And on the other side, allowing with me to have an international exposure. From uh, the known well in one single market, this platform has opened me the worldwide market in the insurance. So my, my view is that uh, probably I have been not able to do what I'm doing if it uh, doesn't exist LinkedIn. So large part of what I do is based on uh, my presence in this platform for the past uh, five years. Many of the businesses that I've created are based on people, on relation with people I've known, and discussed with on LinkedIn.
0: That's perfect. That's how I started my business too. I was very fortunate to... Uh, serendipitously bump into someone on LinkedIn, and we ended up forming a business relationship. i I almost feel like LinkedIn, if you focus hard enough, it could become a business education. It, you know, if you get involved in the in-depth discussions that reside there. So, Teo, this has been fantastic. I, I want to say I thoroughly enjoy the uh, messages you do post on LinkedIn. I thoroughly enjoy. The conversations you instigate that you post up there, even the conflicting ones where uh, I can tell mm-hmm. you're looking to kind of stir, stir the pot up a little bit to generate the conversation. I think it's been incredibly valuable uh, both to insure tech, but just to insurance in general, to have your presence there, to have uh, your ability to look through the clouds, look through the fog to find the message, but also to get other people's opinions about uh, what's going on. In and I appreciate you spending time with me this morning to have this conversation.
1: It has been uh, really a pleasure and hope to uh, in 12 months uh, and talking about uh, execution of innovation uh, in the insurance sector. So I'm really happy I see some of the members uh, of my think tank that go to the market uh, with one solution uh,
0: Awesome. My guest this week has been Matteo Carboni. Matteo, thank you so much again.
1: And we have leisure.